0: Christianity. We believe in growing in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that's what brings the blessed life. How many of you in here want to be blessed? Really blessed? Well, I'm going to be starting a series in January, the first Sunday of January that I'm calling The Apprentice. And we're going to be talking about discipleship and how to be a real disciple of Jesus Christ. But that's the first aspect of our vision. Can you say it with me in reach? in reach. And then outreach. We believe in reaching people for Jesus Christ. We believe if we don't reach them or somebody doesn't reach them, something will reach them. And we're in a battle in our day, a spiritual battle. So we're believing God to reach people. My vision is for thousands of people to be saved because God moved us to this area. And I mean that but not just saved but discipled because you can get a lot of people saved they never get discipled and they never grow so outreach reaching people all kinds of people and we want you to bring people because we're always going to share the gospel and there's always a chance they're going to get saved you never know what God's going to do when somebody walks in these doors and then upreach can you say with me upreach We want to worship the Lord Jesus in spirit and in truth. Jesus said God is searching for that. He's searching for people who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. So our vision is simple. Can we say it together? In reach, reach. OutReach, Outreach. UpReach. And everything we do in this church is going to be to one of those goals, everything. Uh, Our singles group is growing. Wednesday night we had more children and more youth than we've ever had. And um, it's all growing, but that's for a good reason, because God wants to reach people, and God loves people. Amen? Amen. Now, quickly, the next two Wednesdays, I'm going to be dealing with, uh, this is a twofer. This is a twofer. I've got two Wednesdays left in December, and uh, I'm going to be dealing with this. This coming Wednesday, how to deal with dream busters. How many of you have ever had a dream that got busted up? All right. Dream busters are real. How do you deal with dream busters and keep your dream and see it through to the end? That's this Wednesday night. And then the Wednesday after, keys to contentment. It is possible to be content. And so those two Wednesdays, keys to contentment, godliness with contentment is great gain, the Bible says. So the next two Wednesday nights, dream busters and keys to contentment. Now turn with me to Isaiah 714. And let's stand together and read the Word, and I believe we've got it right up here. I put this in here on the Ampl- out of the Amplified Bible. I'm going to do three Christmas messages in a row. I love Christmas. How many of you can say it's my favorite time of year? I love it. All right, I'm going to ha- share three Christmas messages in the next three Sundays. Today, Christmas is more than a big fat Santa. Christmas is more than a big, fat Santa. And I'm being told now that Santa doesn't need to be fat anymore. he needs to be thin. And I say poo-poo to that. Santa's fat. Amen? But Christmas is more than a big, fat Santa. All right. Let's read it together, can we? Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, the young woman who is unmarried and a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Stop there and say with me, that's a miracle. Listen to what the prophet's saying. He's either crazy or he's heard God. Let's read the rest. And shall call his name Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 1 and read this with me. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together she was found with child, how everybody, of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. He didn't want to get her in trouble, but he was going to put her away secretly and walk away. It was the end if God had not intervened. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, Don't be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. Read this with me, everybody. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Say again, that's a miracle. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name. Say it, Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Father, thank you for your word today. Bless it to our hearts. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. For the real reason... Of the season. Amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, perk up and listen, you're going to need this today. I love this time of the year. It's my favorite time of the year. I love to go out and look at Christmas lights. I love to uh, see the Christmas tree. I can't honestly tell you I like decorating it, but I like seeing it when it's done. Uh, I love seeing the gifts under the tree. I love the feeling that is with Christmas. But unfortunately, Christmas has been watered down to such an extent that a lot of people have forgotten the reason for the season and don't really even realize what Christmas claims, why there is a Christmas, what it's all about. I want you to listen to this. According to a Newsweek poll on beliefs about Jesus conducted by the Princeton Survey Research Associates who interviewed 1,009 adults, age 18 and older. Here's what they found. 79% of Americans believe that, as the Bible says, Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary without a human father. 79%. 67% say they believe the entire story of Christmas, the virgin birth, the angelic proclamation of the shepherds, the star of Bethlehem, and the wise men from the east, they believe that is all historically accurate. 67%. 82% believe Jesus Christ was God or the Son of God. 52% of all those polled believe, as the Bible proclaims, that Jesus will return to earth someday. 15 percent, 15 percent of Americans believe Jesus will return in their lifetime. And before you say that's not a very big percentage, in light of the fact there's 295 million people or so in America, that means that roughly 45 million Americans go to bed every night believing Jesus could come back before they wake up. 45 million when asked if there would be more or less kindness in the world today, if there had never been a Jesus, 61% of all of those polled say there would be less kindness. 47%, or 47% say there would be more war if there had never been a Jesus. 63% say there would be less charity. 58% of Americans say there would be less tolerance. 59% say there would be no less or there would be less personal happiness. 59%. There would be less personal happiness if there had never been a Jesus. This month, millions of people around the world are going to celebrate the belief that in an obscure village in Palestine, Almost 2,000 or over 2,000 years ago, a child was born in a stable. He lived in obscurity until he was 30 and then began a public ministry that lasted only three years. It was destined though to change the course of all of history. He was a kindly person and we're told the common people, the normal people, the average people like you and me heard him gladly. He taught the Bible records as no man ever spoke before with authority and not like the teachers of his day. Jesus changed the world. There is nobody like him in all of history. Not before or since. There is nobody like Jesus called the Christ the Messiah. He changed the world and he's going to come back and rule the world someday. Now three claims from the Holy Bible separate Jesus from any human being who ever lived. And here's those claims. That he was born of a virgin. That he was born of a virgin. That's one of the claims. That he died for our sins on a cross. That's another claim. And that he was raised from the dead. Third claim. The first one and the last one are absolute unprecedented stunning jaw-dropping miracles. Born of a virgin raised from the dead. Now I want to talk today about the first one born of a virgin because I want us to understand and all of our radio listening audience to understand the actual claims of Christ because I have found that when you talk to people about Jesus it's amazing how few really even know what he said about himself and what the Bible says about him. There is an incredible ignorance in a, in a formerly Christian America about what Jesus actually said concerning himself, who he really was, and what the claims of Christ really were and are. I'm going to quote Isaiah again. Behold the virgin Shall conceive and bear a son. Isaiah wrote that centuries before the time of Christ. And the Bible tells us centuries after he wrote that down, upon being told by an angel who appeared to her, to Mary, she was told that she would conceive in her womb and bring forth a son. And Mary, being a normal human being, said, How in the world is this going to happen if I have not had relations with a man? a normal question. And the angel replied with something astonishing. He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Not the Son of Joseph, but the Son of God. And as we read when Joseph learned that Mary was pregnant, he did not know what the angel had communicated to his future wife. And so it says that he was considering putting her away, calling the wedding off when he had a dream. And in the dream, God spoke to him and said an amazing thing. Do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her, that baby that is conceived in her, that child is conceived by the Holy Spirit. Welcome to a miracle. It's not another man, Joseph. She had not been unfaithful to you. I'm here to tell you the truth. What has happened, Joseph, is supernatural. It has a divine origin, and it fulfills the predictions of the prophets. Now, in history, there are four ways in which human life has been brought into existence. And here they are, by God in creation when He created Adam from the dust of the ground. That's the first way life, human life, came into existence. Adam was made from the dust of the ground. Second way, by God without a woman giving birth, as in the case of Eve coming out of Adam's rib. It's the second way. The third way, by man plus woman, as in the case of the law of natural generation. And the fourth way was through the empowering, the divine empowering of a man and a woman, both past age, as in the case of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham being 100 and Sarah being 90, both completely reproductively dead, and yet they had a child by the power of God. But when the eternal Son of God, the Christ of Christmas, came into the world, he did not choose any of the above mentioned ways. His birth is completely unique. He was born of a woman without a man. He was begotten of the Holy Spirit. Except in the case of Jesus Christ, that way of birth has never happened before and it will never happen again. He was born of a virgin by the power of the Holy Ghost. We stand on miracle ground. Christianity bases its claim on a miracle and a stunning, astonishing Miracle. A little teenage girl was moved on by the Holy Ghost and conceived. This is why it's written in the well known Apostles' Creed. I believe in Jesus Christ, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. The virgin birth falls in one of the great fault lines of the Christian faith. We could say that it rests on the great divide that separates those who believe the Bible is God's Word and those who don't. It separates those who believe in a supernatural Christ from those who believe He was just a good man, a moral teacher, or a revolutionary, or a prophet perhaps, but not the Son of God from heaven. There is a fault line in the church, and there is a division happening in the church as we speak those who believe the supernatural claims of the Word of God and those who water it down to natural explanations and remove every vestige of supernatural power from it. But if you want to talk about the claims of the Bible and the claims of Christ about Himself, then you and I, we come face to face with a miracle that Mary was moved on by the Holy Ghost. Jesus is both fully human and He is fully divine. He's fully human because he comes from Mary's womb. He's fully divine because he's conceived by the Holy Spirit. He is not half human and half divine. He didn't have a little bit of divinity in him. He was not just another anointed person or inspiring person. He's the God man. One person possessing two natures, God incarnate in human flesh, that's Jesus, because he had no earthly father, he had no sin. Luke 1.35 calls him the Holy One, the Holy One, meaning that he was born without any taint of sin, he had none. He had no inherited sin from Adam, which we all had. We were all born in sin and shaped in iniquity because we all carried Adam's sin. And that's why we needed a redeemer. But Jesus did not have an earthly father, so he did not inherit Adam's sin. He wasn't tainted, he wasn't stained, he wasn't spotted in any way. No blemishes. There is no sin in him or about him. He is holy in the truest and deepest meaning of the word. Jesus. Nobody like him. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, not Zoroaster, nobody. He stands completely alone in his own stratosphere in the history of the world. There is not another like our Jesus. Not another. The Bible declares of him that he knew no sin, and in him there is no sin. Satan had nothing in Jesus. He has no claim on the sinless Son of God. Jesus himself said, the thief and the murderer and the prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. Talking about the devil, he's coming, but he's got nothing in me. We could paraphrase it this way, he's got nothing on me. He's got nothing on me. There is not one thing he can condemn me about or blame me about or judge me about because there is no sin in my life. He's got nothing on me. And nobody in the history of the world could say that but Jesus himself. He's got nothing on me. Another writer said, it is sin which gives Satan his hold on men, but there is no sin in Jesus as in others. Another writer points out that by means of the virgin birth, Christ enters the world guiltless of the sin of Adam. He becomes the beginning of a new humanity, the restoration of the human race from what Satan did to it. Because he's born of Mary, he's truly human. He felt your pain. He felt my pain. He knows what it's like to be tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. So when you hurt and you're tempted and you're in a struggle, and you take it to him. You do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of your infirmities, but he was in all points tempted like you and me, yet without sin. So he's able to have compassion on you and me, and love us, and carry us, and walk us through our valleys, and walk us through the fire, and walk us through the water, and bring us out onto the other side as our shepherd, because he understands us. He was able to stand in our place, take our guilt, take our shame, and take our punishment. He could pay for our sins because he had no sin and no guilt of his own. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, the Bible says. This is why I tell you today as I go into these profound truths, these incredible truths, that's why I tell you that Christmas is more than a big fat Santa amen? I said, Christmas is more than a big fat Santa. Now, I, you know, I like to delve into things and explore things. And I got to thinking, you know, what a powerful statement when the angel said, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you, Mary. And that holy thing conceiving you will be of the Holy Spirit. What exactly took place when the Holy Spirit conceived the human life of Jesus Christ within Mary's womb? you got to ask this question. How could the God who is without limits somehow shrink himself to become a microscopic speck inside Mary's womb? I don't know. Only God knows the answer to that. The most honest answer is that's not intellectually understandable it's too profound, too deep it's too God what happened was a pure miracle a miracle of the highest order to be compared with God saying let there be light and light shine in the darkness it was a creative miracle Something came from nothing. By the incredible providence, power, and mercy of God, the Virgin Mary was selected to fulfill the passive role as the one through whom God would act to accomplish his great act of salvation for you and me. She was the passive receiver. Luke 1.35 does give us a hint of what happened when the angel says, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, Mary. Overshadow comes from a Greek word meaning to cast a shadow, as when Peter's shadow fell upon the sick. It means to envelop with a cloud. If somebody were right on the sun and you were standing uh, or laying on the beach and somebody was standing in the sun and walked over you and the sunlight hit them and cast a shadow over you, It's like that. Or Peter walking down the street, and his shadow touching the sick healed them. They stacked sick people up at the edges of the street, and his shadow falling on them healed them. Overshadow. The same verb was used in the Greek translation of Exodus 40, verse 35, where it says this. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. When you went into the tabernacle, when Moses dedicated the tabernacle, the Lord's presence was like a cloud in that place, overshadowing it, covering the people. David talked about this in Psalms 91. He uses the same word in a poetic image to describe God covering his people. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall trust. His truth will be your shield and buckler. These images give us some kind of idea of what happened. Mary, this teenage girl, beautiful little teenage Jewish girl, one day when it was time, in God's timing, the Spirit of God overshadowed her. What a moment that must have been. What a holy moment that must have been. You talk about a visitation. God overshadowed her, and she knew like women know when they have conceived. There was a knowledge. There's a knowing, and, and she knew there was a child in her womb, and you got you to gotta put yourself in her shoes what she was going through. How do I explain this to Joseph? How do I explain this to my parents? How do I explain this to my hometown? I'm pregnant, but I'm not married. But it was of God. This overshadowing protected her from all harm. She was a virgin before her conception, and she was a virgin after her conception. Only God could have done this. Through the virgin birth, God became man without ceasing to be God. Though he was fully one of us, he was always fully God. Let's pretend that my suit coat represents something. My suit coat here represents human nature. I'm probably already sweating in the shirt, but that's all right. My jacket here, let's just pretend that it represents human nature or humanity, being human the human nature that Jesus put on when he came to earth and my shirt represents who he was as God's son or his divinity my shirt represents his divinity the suit coat represents his humanity are you with me do I have to wear my coat in order to wear my shirt no I don't have my coat on I still got the shirt on So I don't have to wear this to wear my shirt, do I? The obvious answer is no, I do not. My shirt goes under my coat, but I can wear it with or without my coat. In the same way, Jesus was the Son of God from eternity. From eternity past to eternity future, He was God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I came today to talk to you about Jesus Christ, not religion. I'm here to preach up Jesus and preach down the devil. I want you to catch this now. This is a revelation that we've got to make very, very clear to people who are attacking our faith and trying to marginalize and minimalize or minimize Christianity. And it's time for us to stand up and roar like a lion and say this is not like any other thing. We're talking about somebody who supernaturally came to this planet. We're talking about a divine invasion. He invaded planet Earth via the Holy Ghost, by the will of God, supernaturally. Jesus was the son of God from eternity past to eternity future. He was always the son of God. He always had the shirt. When he was in the manger, he was the son of God. When he walked on the Sea of Galilee, he was the son of God. When he died on the cross, he was the son of God. When he rose from the dead, he was the son of God. When he went back to heaven, he was the son of God. When he comes again, he's going to be the son of God. Nothing can ever change his essential nature. He was and is and always will be the Son of God. Now, when he came to the world, the Bible says he put on humanity. Now I'm wearing the jacket. He put on humanity. But he still had the shirt on underneath. Are you with me? My coat represents the human nature of Jesus. But when he came to the earth, he was wearing the shirt. And this is a crucial point. You can't see the shirt very easily because it's mostly covered by my coat. When I got the coat on, you can't see the shirt very well. And we didn't see the shirt very well on Jesus till he was touched by the Holy Ghost, went into the wilderness, was tempted of the devil, and came out in the power of God and began to do miracles. Until then, the coat kind of covered up the shirt. We only got glimpses of the shirt, like when we found him in the temple as 12 years old. And he's asking the doctors questions that blew their minds. And he was speaking wisdom uh, far beyond his years. Then we saw a little bit of the shirt. His mama saw the shirt because she never had to whoop him. This boy ain't normal. I'm seeing a little bit of the shirt. When he was 6 years old, he had the shirt on. When he was 10 years old, he had the shirt on. When he was 15 years old, he had the shirt on. When he was working as a carpenter's apprentice, he had the shirt on. But it didn't show much because he put on humanity to become one of us so he could understand us, feel our pain, walk among us, understand us and die for our sins. But when he came out of that wilderness, Man, you didn't see as much of the coat, and you saw a whole lot of the shirt. Because he stood up and he preached in his hometown. His first message began to cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead, walk on water. When he walked on that water, I guarantee you, you saw the shirt, not the coat. That's not normal. This explains why so many people said, Isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this the one who worked as a carpenter? What is he doing up here saying the things that he's saying, doing the things that he's doing? Who does he think he is? Well, that's because Jesus had begun to take the coat off and show the shirt more. He was divine. He was God. The Word became flesh, put on a coat, and lived among us, John says, Christ, the living word, put on humanity the same way I put on my coat to come to church this morning. He wrapped himself in skin and was born in a virgin's womb. Oh, I'll tell you, folks, when you get a hold of this, Christmas is no longer just a bunch of lights and a big fat Santa and time to get presents. It's time to rejoice over the most amazing miracle that has ever happened in the history of the world. He always had the shirt, but he added humanity when he came to be one of us. Now, how does the virgin birth affect you and me? I want to share with you a few quick ways. The virgin birth forces us to confront what we believe about Jesus Christ. The virgin birth forces us to come to a decision about what we believe about Jesus Christ. You heard the percentages of people who believe he's coming back in America You heard all that, but when I watch the news, when I watch television, I wouldn't have come to that conclusion. I would have thought that everybody was like, the newscasters tell us they are. But it's not true. There is a great sleeping giant in this nation. There are millions and millions and millions, 45 million expect him to return anytime. Don't you know that's going to be a day? That trumpet's going to blow. And 45 million at least but the virgin birth makes you ask these questions who is he where did he come from at issue is the supernatural nature of jesus christ is he really the son of god from heaven or is he just a prophet or more than a prophet is he a great teacher and nothing more Was he a martyr who died for his cause, which our generation loves to believe? Was he a revolutionary who never intended to start a religion? Is he a divine leader who came to teach us about God? Or is he God incarnate, the Lord of glory, the Son of God, our Lord and Savior? You've got to answer that. If you answer yes to those things, you have no problem with the virgin birth. The second thing the virgin birth does for us, it forces us off the fence about Jesus. See, if I go out there and I just try to tell people about some religion or some church, I haven't done my job. I need to go out and tell them about Jesus, and not just any Jesus, but the Bible Jesus, because that's who they want to hear about. That's who they want to know about. The Bible Jesus. It tells us that we cannot be neutral. The virgin birth does not allow us to be neutral. We can't say that the stories of his birth don't matter. The fact is that a miracle and a mystery did happen through Jesus Christ. The virgin birth forces you off the fence. C.S. Lewis wrote these words. I'm I'm speaking to those who would say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher. But I don't accept him as God. Lewis continues, but a man who has merely, or who was merely a man, a man who was merely a man and said the things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. A man who said what Jesus said, being merely a man, would be a wicked man, he would be a lunatic. On a level with the man who says he's a poached egg. Or else he would be the devil of hell. Either this man was and is the son of God or else he was a madman. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He was not that. He did not leave that open to us. He did not intend to. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Jesus said, Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus said, if you believe on me, you will have eternal life and no man will pluck you out of my hands. Jesus said, I'm ascending back to God and I'm going to come back and get you and receive you to myself. Once again, I'm going to invade history in a second return to take my people unto myself. Jesus said these things. Nobody normal or sane or moral says that unless they are who they say they are. So the Jesus we preach and the Jesus we're going to hold before people is the real Jesus, the soon-coming King, the one who died for our sins. God wrapped in flesh, the God-man, the man-God, all God, all man. We may want a teacher or a leader in our day, or we may want a pastor like myself to guide us. But let me tell you something. The day will come when only a Savior will do. Only a Savior will do. That day came for me a long time ago, when only a Savior would do. I didn't need somebody with flowery speech. I didn't need somebody with charisma. I didn't need somebody with a bunch of college degrees. I needed a Savior. And thank God my Savior is Jesus Christ. When you stand at death's door, you need a Savior. When the doctor tells you it's over with, you need a Savior. When you're being taken down by some habit that's destroying your life, you need a Savior. Listen, our world needs a Savior. We need a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. That's why Christmas is more than a big, fat Santa. Let's stand together, can we? Can you come on up here, Tom, and and play lightly? I appreciate Tom Autry being with us. And how many of you can say, I'm thankful for a supernatural conception? Can you say that with me, Lord? Thank you. Lord, we stand on miracle ground. And Lord, the founding miracle of the Christian faith, the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. And that which was conceived in her was of the Holy Spirit thank God I don't know where you stand with Him but I want to encourage you if you don't know the Lord personally the whole reason God did what He did He so loved the world He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes on Him would not perish but have everlasting life Father, I pray for anyone here today who is far away from you, lost in sin. Draw them near, Lord. I pray for any Christian tottering on the fence of what to believe about Jesus will make their stand on the miracle birth. We thank you, Lord. You're not like any other. With every head bowed, you can say, Pastor Jeff, I need to put my faith on the miracle you talked about today. I want to reach out to him in prayer and with faith that he would be my Savior and my life would be planted on the truth of his birth. I just need to settle it. I want to leave this building with peace, with God. If you can say that today, would you lift your hand right where you are and let me pray with you. God bless you. Bless you. Bless you. I'm going to ask that those of you whose hands are raised, I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to forget about everybody around you. And I want to ask you to slip out from where you are. Don't worry about what people think. We've all been where you are. And I want you to come and stand in front of me because I want to pray for you because I believe something incredible is going to happen today to you as you put your faith in this miracle. I want you to slip out and come. Slip out and come. Come on. Slip out and come. young person. It doesn't matter if you're 8 or 80. It's never too late to say, I believe in that miracle. I believe in that Jesus. Keep coming. They're coming from everywhere. You keep coming. And let's worship, Tom. If you can just lead us in something simple. And let's pray with these folks in just a moment. I'm going to wait a moment longer. Keep coming. That's good. That one right there. Mm -hmm. Yes, Lord. Isn't this beautiful to see people being touched? you have come to pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead. I believe you were the Son of God and I put my faith in that truth. Come into my heart and live there, Jesus. I believe you to touch me today change my life. And I believe that God raised you from the dead so that I could be resurrected as well. Amen. Now, Lord, I pray for them. Seal them in the Holy Spirit of God. Seal them in the Holy Spirit of God. And I thank you for it. In Christ's name. Amen. Now, all of you who came down, look at me a minute. This is a sacred moment, sacred moment. It's one of the reasons I live for this. God heard that prayer, and I'm going to ask you to go with this man. You take him back that way, and I guess Tim is already back there. There you are, all right? And with this guy right here, he's going to take you back into the room and pray with you once more, and then let you right back out. So I want you to go with him, would you? Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, give God praise, everybody. Come on. That's wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Kathy has a couple of quick announcements and then we're going to go. And you know what we have out there for you? We have what God gave all mankind coffee and uh i want you to know that we're in the the uh preliminary stages we're gonna have a real serious coffee booth out there sometime soon and parking maybe by next sunday but i'm so thrilled to see all of you that who fought the parking dilemma and came in anyway and i want you to give yourselves a hand it was great to see you go ahead all right we do. Have, if you enjoyed that series, that sermon today, that was great, honey. On Christmas, and there's such a lie out there in the culture. This is back there at the book nook, "The Truth About Christmas." That some of the messages Jeff preached on Christmas last year, it'd be a great tool for you.